Hi, and welcome to the Burlap Podcast, where we help churches reach millennials and Gen Z. My name's Chris Abel. I'm a co-host, and I'm here with Chris Folmsby, president of Burlap. Hey there. Good to have you. Listening. <laughs> and today we are going to be talking about... you about... caught me off guard there. I wasn't paying attention. Oh, it's all right. Do you want a, a more formal introduction? No, no. President? Just, stop it. You know I hate that. We are going to be talking about... Uh, millennials and Gen Z in the news today. Nice. What we found is we were just going to look at some stuff going on, some news articles, some stuff that is floating around the internet, and just laugh a little bit, have some commentary, and see how it can help us or impact ch- churches. So, you ready? Let's do it. All right. I, Chris has not seen these articles, so he doesn't know what we're going to be talking about. I've just collected some, and we're going to get some of his unfiltered responses here. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. So the first one, this one is, uh, I just saw this article today. It says, these are the world's 10 most serious problems, according to millennials. And so this this panel went through, this this is uh, from the World Economic Forum's Global Shapers Survey of 2017. And so they looked at... um, what millennials said about stuff going on in the world. Uh, and here are the results. Right, let's go from 10 to 1. All so right. 10th biggest problem in the world today. So are we listening to these straight up, or do you want me to comment as we go? Let's comment as we go. All right, let's do it. Uh, number 10, lack of economic opportunity in employment. 12% of millennials put this as the first. The, they 12% of millennials said this is their biggest concern. Is that what you're saying? 12% of the millennials... No, I'm were, reading this wrong. Okay. 12% of millennials put this as a concern. Just a, a concern. Yep. Anywhere on their list? Yep. So it could be at the bottom of their list. We have no idea. So, no, I think that's a problem, don't you? I mean, you're the one working with millennials every day. I mean, I, I see people all the time frustrated and also very concerned about the economics, you know, a, around what it means to be a millennial today, not just young families with kids who are trying to figure out the kind of in a new way, the expenses of life, right? But I think I read somewhere, right, that today's college student is making 20% less upon graduation than their boomer parents did and twice as much in debt. Even even accounting for inflation. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's crazy. So, of course, the economics of life would be something that millennials would be concerned about. I mean, I think it's a no-brainer there, yeah. What else? What are, this, are some of the other concerns? Sure. Number nine, safety, security, and well-being. So one of the things I think there is like, you know, my daughter, she's 17, so she's more kind of Gen Z. Sometimes millennial mindset creeps in there a little bit with her as I just kind of, you know, listen to her speak and, and share her uh, passions and her concerns for our world. But like she's looking to take a gap year potentially, and oh. she's trying to figure out where in the world she's going to travel. And the safety thing is first and foremost on her list. Really? And I don't know if that's because she's seen some news, news footage of what used to be sort of this kind of romantic place, you know, France, to go visit. And now we've seen this terrorism over the last few years or whatever. But I could see that. I, w- I would think that the value of travel and adventure that millennials have is being right, combated with the safety of our world. I mean, and it's... Yeah, it's a real deal. It's big. I think it's going to be continue to be. So I don't, I don't know that there's anything really to laugh about as it relates to that. Right, yeah. Know, but I'm like, it is definitely a big deal. Are you seeing that? Well, I'm thinking, you know, I'm kind of thinking back in my own personal life is uh, I was in high school when September 11th happened, you know, 2001, 16 years ago now. So any, 
I mean, any 16 year old or younger literally wasn't alive. Right. They grew up in a post 9-11 world. Right. And so the world has just seemed really conflict, full of conflict since then. It, It is full of conflict. I mean, I think. When we do our workshops and we talk about the generational differences, 9-11 is the big deal where we, we start to see, you know, the, the shaping of a, a new generation, this millennial generation, and really coming to its own and forming opinions around, you know, things that, are, that relate to that experience and that event. It's one of the major life-shaping events in the life of a millennial, whereas today, like I take my 14-year-old and my 12-year-old, and I think, what is there 9-11 and it's probably ISIS right it's probably things like terrorism not just ISIS but things where it's like okay there's this just ongoing terrorism in our world and that's gonna keep people from thinking that traveling is safe no doubt about it Jeez. okay the next one is lack of education which we're gonna touch on more soon I think yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't have that in front of me, so I don't know what the context is for that. But I don't know if that means that they're concerned they're not getting enough education. Is that yeah. what they're saying? The average the average millennial today is actually not college educated, or they took some college classes, they didn't finish their degree. So if you just look at like what the mean is for the average, wow, yeah. I didn't realize that they're the most educated in history, but the, the average but still, still uh, is not finished college. Yeah, um, the seven. I think the segmentation probably probably matters there like we do a bunch of segmentation study in the different segments of millennials so things like up-and-comers who are career focused versus someone who's might more what we would call a global giver who's kind of more in line with not necessarily pushing education first but more an activism around the world so i i would think that your first lens or the way that you're viewing the world would would definitely come into play there so if you're more of a traditionalist you're maybe more of a blue collar kind of a uh uh, of a, a worker even like you're going I don't need that but if you're sitting there saying well man I like many generations gone before us I want to climb that ladder so to speak then that would be definitely a huge huge factor yeah number seven on the list is food and water security which I don't know if I would have that would have blipped on my radar well yeah but here's the thing I think with millennials in particular having such a concern for global issues that this is a major thing for them. I mean, food and water insecurities are all around us. I mean, most people don't think about it domestically here in the United States, but the insecurity here, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I've read recently that the insecurity here is just as big, like particularly in rural areas. Like one of the things I don't really think about is farmers who work real hard to sell their food to people who, you know, in order to make a living and then don't have enough to eat themselves. Like it, not far from here. We live in Kansas City, well, Metro Kansas City area, and not far from here, but within 50 miles, I've talked with people who have said our biggest challenge is food security, and I'm like, that's right here in the Midwest on a farm, right? So you can imagine you extrapolate that out and realize what I'm seeing in the news, what I'm seeing in my feeds every day, and just the, knowing that people are struggling, particularly the refugees all around the world going, where do I get food and water from? But I, I, that's one of the things I love about the millennials is their concern globally. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that's on the list because I think it's something that we'll always try and try and sort of turn around if that, you will. That makes a lot of sense actually, especially with all of the clean water initiatives going on to help provide water for people around the world. I mean, that's a huge priority. People think it's a right to have clean drinking water and it is a right i mean i I believe that yeah all right let's move on here number six government accountability and transparency slash corruption oh my goodness big deal this is yeah 
Holy smokes. Yeah, this is huge. I mean, I don't even know what to say about this, to be honest with you, because I don't I don't know how any generation right now wouldn't have that on a concern. Just the way that things are working with, you know, our, our government and our uh, our our country as a whole right now. I mean, there's just so many different things happening. Uh, the North Korea issues, the issues related just to the transitions in the White House and leadership there. And we and have all these WikiLeaks happening I mean, like never I mean, before. It's just, it's just crazy. And I, I mean, that's definitely a concern. I mean, and I would think if I'm a person that's working to reach and engage millennials, I would want to know what these issues are, right? Because if this is what's shaping their mind, then we ought to be talking about these as churches. I don't want to just have this conversation about, you know, reflecting on the news, which is great and helpful, but it's like, how, at what point are we having these conversations within our church community yeah. so people realize it's not important to you, but it's important to us because it's important to you. And I think the key word here is transparency, is I... Uh, I had a professor once in undergrad, and he said, you know, he said, I want all of you to go to your churches. I went to a Christian college. He said, I want all of you to go to your churches and try to get a budget from your church. Come see how the, how the financial breakdown happened in the last year. And he said, 90% of you won't be able to. And he was right. Only, only 10% of the class brought back budgets. And I was blown away by the sight that churches aren't even transparent with how they do things. And that there's this... And this right now, happening right now, is because the internet and communication and accountability, like people want more transparency. I was watching this television show recently called Adam Ruins Everything. And this guy goes around, he basically, you know, pokes holes in people's thing, right? And they did a sh they did one show on their own show and the things that they've gotten wrong. Cause they, and they basically said, we wanna earn credibility by being transparent with even the things that we've gotten wrong. And I love that approach. And I think that's part of what's going on here. Now here's the funny thing, that was number six. Number five, beating, beating it by 1%. People are more concerned about this is religious conflicts. So Whoa. government and then religious conflicts are actually beating the people's concern of transparency with government. What I mean is there context to that? Like how how would they define religious conflicts? Not from the article that I pulled okay. up. It's a page and a half. Yeah. Well, I think you know I think this is where the church can stand out in in communities and and have faithful and inter interfaith dialogue, you know, to try to try to help with that. I mean, the issues around um, Charlottesville and other places like this, issues of white supremacy and racism and things like that. I mean, if churches need to be talking about this stuff. And most people may not see that as religious conflict if you're a non-religious person, but they certainly have a conflict with churches not standing up for what's right. And I think, to me, that's what I see more than anything when I talk to particularly non-religious young adults. It's like, well, why isn't the church doing something about this? And they may not even be affiliated with a church. They just think churches are supposed to do something about this. Right. And I know it's important for our community, for our own church, and we'll be hosting something at our church where we're getting... Um, yeah, Jewish faith community together, uh, Muslim faith communities together, Catholic communities together, and we're just going to sit down and say, what does this mean for us, and what can we do? How do we inspire our people to take action on this? And I mean, it's not maybe what is meant by that statement in that article, religious conflict, and you know, but um, it. I'm gonna. I'm taking that more as to say, if I was a non-religious millennial or Gen Z person, and I looked at the church, they better be doing something about this, regardless of where. They they be believe uh, you know on the spectrum of of God Jesus Christ whatever it's like man you better be doing something about this yeah 
the next two I'm going to lump together here: poverty and inequality. They, again, these are out. These are number four and three now of the most um, concerning problems in the world. Uh, and that goes back to what you were saying here: is that we need to be talking about this stuff. I mean, uh, part of again for a millennial who's been feels like they're in debt, that the economy isn't working in their favor, they see the numbers of the 1% getting more and more wealth exponentially compared to the 1970s. So there's this feeling that um, that there's a there's like a, a higher class, and they say the middle class is disappearing more mm-hmm. and more, but there's just not opportunities. And this, this is globally, too, that we're seeing. Right. Yeah. Well, Gen Z in the U.S., I know there's been a recent study done um, – so some friends of mine at a place called Barclay, which is a marketing firm in Kansas City, did, uh, I think, what is a remarkable job on this Gen Z study. And they're slowly releasing uh, their um, their data that they collected. And what's interesting is that Gen Z, their number one issue is human rights, um, gender equality, you know, um, sexual identity, things of these, you know, all of this matters to them. Gen Z, I know this article is millennials uh, that you're referencing, yeah. but Gen Z, like where I think some of the environmental issues for millennials and some of the social, bigger social justice issues like water and things like that, Gen Z is going, yeah, those things are important, but the, the dignity of all people is most important. I think that's fantastic. You know, as someone who believes that's the way the gospel should be, like I think we have sort of some quote unquote inroads in reaching emerging generations just because of that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Number two, large-scale conflict and war. Yeah, how could you not be concerned about that? I mean, that goes back to, I think, some of the governmental stuff, some of the transparency issues that we're seeing. But, like, you know, when you see terrorism around you every day, and that's your new definition of war, you know, like, how could you not be concerned about that? Like, I just think, you know... That's a major issue. I think about it almost, I wouldn't maybe say every day, but if I'm watching the news and it comes on, I'm troubled by it. So why wouldn't any other generation be troubled by it? If you care about your world, you care about people, and you see people mistreating other people, or you see people making you know, threats, uh, launching missiles, or whatever it might be, it's like, that's a big, big deal. And then I'm more troubled by the people that seem to not be worried about it. Mm. You know? I mean, I don't... I don't know a lot of those people, but I know they're out there. It's like they're so stuck, so myopic in their own little world that they sort of refuse to see what's happening happening globally. Um, and again, I think the church plays a role in that, if nothing else, to have conversations about it, not to not to be right. I think that's one yeah. of the you know factors involved in reaching younger generations is you don't you need to sort of give up your pr- privilege of quote unquote being right and just have dialogue and bring people into what what does this mean for us as a people you know because the church is a people not a place right so how are we inspiring people and calling on them to think on these things and have an opinion about this stuff because it really matters yeah and i mean, I mean that's like if it doesn't matter to the church then like what are we what are we here for it's so funny because even just talking about it a little bit i feel like my anxiety kind of rise up in me of like it's just you can't control this stuff you know it's so much beyond us i think that's why people don't think about it often but uh you know what's interesting though is that's number two of the 10 most serious problems the number one this might surprise some people and you you touched on this you're not gonna be surprised is climate change and the destruction of nature so 48.8 percent of millennials said that this is um a this is one of the most serious problems yeah i mean well you know people 
have opinions on Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth documentary slash movie, whatever category it fits in, that came out, what, I don't know, a decade or so ago, maybe more than that. He just had a sequel this year. Yeah, and so, but they grew up, like, hearing that in their in their younger years, right? So if you're a millennial and you're 35 years old, you heard that when you were 25, right? Whether, whether you have a background in science or not, it, yeah. it matters to you. And we watch shows like Captain Planet, about save, they fought people who did pollution, and then I was also thinking about Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. These are like 80s and 90s movies that just kind of like play like the big th- theme for that gen- that era of TV shows and movies was like the planet, you know, take care of the planet. Yeah. So I think it influenced our childhood, too. Yeah. Oh, and, no doubt. Yeah. And there's a lot of science behind it more and more. Yeah. So. I think as science continues to help us understand our world, it becomes more of an issue. Yeah, totally. Uh, I just saw something in the news about. Hurricane Harvey is a good example of a result of some like we've never seen rainfall like this before in the history of the United States. Um, that this isn't just a fluke; that this is the new norm. And while it was happening, the same thing happened in Bangladesh and Nepal. I saw photos of that yeah. this morning, man. I saw photos of of women holding up their children, you know, and they were chest deep in in water, waiting waiting through it to try to find higher ground and so scientists have been saying for years that the bangladesh nepal area is actually in danger of um of flooding from the from global warming so yeah. uh, from climate change so that you know i i the, the funny thing to me is that churches don't talk about the things that millennials think are the Imp- most yeah they're important things. dangerous things going on in the world yeah Here, here's why do you think that is i think churches try to stay too positive I mean, this is a dreary, I feel like even for a podcast, I'm like, womp, 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 here's all the things wrong with the world, right? Like, <laughs> people want to go to church and be like, you know what? I do feel encouraged. Jesus stepped out on the water, you know? Yeah. But, it, like, here's my thing. My deal is, <laughs> I think that people, churches as a whole, generally speaking, feel that these aren't faith issues. These aren't gospel issues to them. And I think that's crazy. Like, how could these things not be gospel issues? They all involve people. They all involve God's creation. They all involve what I believe to be God's incredible design for our world, which was peace, right? Not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of God. And so I think what happens is people, um, church leaders feel as though sometimes they need to like, just, just talk about the Bible, just talk about Christian, just talk about Jesus. And that's all important, really good stuff. But to a non-religious millennial, they're going, why are you not having conversations like everyone else is having? Yeah. How, are you that irrelevant that you don't even know? Like it's, and, and, you have, and you have to remember, like so many Christians would say that the Bible is the answer and Jesus is the answer. And I think depending on their context and depending on what they mean by that, their interpretation of those things, I would largely agree. However, to a person who has no faith affiliation at all, might be spiritual but not religious, right? That's the whole thing with millennials, SBNR. They might be spiritual but not religious. I go, well, these are deeply spiritual concerns, though. They matter to people. They feel it. They, It's bigger than just trying to get to the place where it's like well, we have an opinion on these things. They want to be invited in to making change on these things, not just having opinions. And oftentimes the church is unwilling to even share their opinion on it. And I don't understand that. I, I just don't. It blows my mind. I'm, we're fortunate. Chris, you and I are fortunate that we work at a church where these things matter. And while we probably don't talk about them 
as much as we should, we talk about these things. And I think that that's one of the big reasons why you've seen such growth at our church in our particular city is yeah, we're having conversations. conversations that are hard. And we don't always have answers, but we're going to talk about it. And you're invited in to talk about it no matter who you are and whatever your perspective is. And, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when, when you started this podcast, I said we're just going to laugh a little bit. Those things aren't very, Sorry, very, yeah. very funny. But, I mean, it's it, they're true and they matter. All right. Well, then let me let me create some levity yeah, here. Yeah, you got some funny stuff. Yeah, funny. okay. So this this is totally different. This might this seems so wrong after after what we've just been talking about. But there's a there's a new Instagram account that imagines Barbie as a millennial mom. So like the Barbie doll, right, you know? Right. And so literally you you don't you don't see these pictures in front of me, but it has like Barbie and she's like posing like a lot of millennials do on Instagram. She's like posing, she's like pregnant Barbie oh, and has her and her husband and Is this uh, like a spoof or is this no, a real No, somebody deal? who's doing it is like into it. Um Get so out of I, here. <laughs> no, I, I don't even want to see him. Don't turn your laptop. Okay. I don't even want to see it. It it like literally is Super cringeworthy, but she has gotten 84,000 followers for Millennial Mom Barbie. It's called Tiff underscore the Barbie. Yep. Well, I'm going to follow it right now. Do it. Um, and so I just thought it was hilarious. That's something else that people are kind of using is this millennial thing. Millennials in the news. Uh, another one we have here is that uh, Bernie Sanders. Now, you guys are probably familiar with Bernie Sanders, who uh, ran uh, for as a presidential candidate for the Democratic Party uh, had huge popularity, or should I say, huge popularity <laughs> with millennials. Uh, we looked at and younger, so we looked at the polls. By the here. way, I just saw what I thought was a really cool um, video of Bernie at the uh, in Washington D.C. speaking about Dr. King's dream. Have you seen that? It's no. been floating around. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. Like he's just basically saying Dr. King's dream has not been you know, realized yet. And we still have some work to do. He did talk about how in many ways we have come a long way, um, but we still have a long way to go, particularly as it relates to economic justice, not just racial justice. Right. And the Dr. King's message was more than just racial justice. It obviously included economic justice. Um, man, it was, it was moving to, you know, to hear him and to, they were showing B-roll. Oh, I don't know if B-roll is the right <laughs> word. They were showing like footage, I guess is the better word of Dr. King and, and it was, it was pretty moving. Um, I don't wow. want, I don't watch a lot of videos off of Facebook. I don't know. I just don't spend a lot of time watching videos on my, on my phone period, but uh, that one captured my imagination. And I, I was, I was grateful that he took the time to do that. I don't even know who put it out or where it came from, how old it was or anything like that. It just, man, that's I really thought, cool. Yeah, it was cool. Well, um, you know, this isn't a political podcast. We're not interested in talking about politics. I mean, only as much as it influences millennials. But uh, one of the things we have to pay attention to is that Bernie Sanders got a lot of interest. This 70-something-year-old guy had tons of support from 20 and 30-somethings, like tons. Actually, it says here that roughly 2 million people under 30 voted for Sanders in the primary race, more than they, vote more than they voted for Hillary or Donald Trump combined in the primaries. Um, and so, uh, so Bernie's actually put out a new book and he's aiming it at, um, millennials and Gen Z. And he's basically, it's called Bernie Sanders guide to political revolution. And whatever you feel, this is in teen Vogue. I'm reading this article, wow. whatever you feel they got an exclusive with Bernie. Nice. I mean, well, seriously, when, how does, I don't understand how this works. Like teen Vogue 
is excited about this is how much he I think, he like yeah. moved here's the deal though here's the deal and i think this is important for church and while this is not a po- a, poly, uh, a podcast on politics you're right um like we have listeners from all over the country who have all kinds of beliefs and that's great and opinions and convictions and political persuasions and that's great and wonderful but it's a it's just the case of values when your values line up the generational differences in my opinion get put aside the fact that my daughter who's 17 is a huge bernie fan is not just because bernie's popular and somehow all of a sudden now she's on the bernie you know wagon so to speak she's interested in the things that Bernie Sanders has to say. And other people like Bernie Sanders saying similar things because the values line up. I mean, we just went through the 10, you know, most, what? uh, Biggest concerns concerns of the future future for millennials. Those are the things that he's been talking about. Yeah. I mean, and I don't think it's just like his way of trying to stay relevant. I think these have always been important to him. And people go, this guy's been saying this stuff for a long, long time time and he puts his money where his mouth is again whether you're a fan of bernie sanders whether you're a fan of the democratic party has nothing to do with it it's a it's the point i'm trying to make is that the when the values line up that's when there's there's enthusiasm and inspiration and a new imagination for what what they're calling right his book is calling a political revolution yeah and the whole thing is to help empower young adults here's what's funny is young adults really aren't involved in church a lot they're not involved in politics a lot either so he's kind of looking at this next generation the same way that churches are looking at this next generation and saying, how do we empower and educate an entire generation who has just historically uninvolved, that's just breaking historic numbers with how little they're involved in both politics and church? So I think we both have the same goals of, I think it's church leaders, we need to be asking the same questions. How do we motivate and educate and empower the next generation. So he's asking, I think he's asking the right questions, no matter what your political stance yeah, is. Totally. I mean, I mean, we could take some tips from how he reached that generation. Again, continues to. I just think it's a values thing. I really do. I mean, I think when churches express those values, they're going to be, they're going to be relevant to emerging generations. And I, that doesn't mean you fake it. You have to believe it because yeah. they'll sniff that out real quick. Oh yeah. But I'm saying like, it's not as hard as people think. I talk to people almost every day, but I will say at least three times a week, people who contact me either by email or phone or whatever, and they say, we just don't know what what to do. Our church is aging. How do we reach young generations? And I'm glad they call on everything because that's what I'm, I've created burlap for. Yeah. Right? I don't want to help people. But at the same time, I'm thinking, if you just express your values. Now, some churches, their values are not going to connect, and they're going to find difficulty no matter what. But when your values overlap with generations, speak about those values, talk about those things, invite those people into speaking about them with you. And that's like the easiest first step, in my opinion, you can take. You don't need a fancy program. You don't need, you know, a big social media strategy. You don't need a sexy website. You don't need a big show when people come to church. You really just need to say, hey, our values and your values, they line up. And when in the kingdom of God, that's a wide swath of values, right? Like the gospel transcends all of that. How is it that we're having a hard time reaching emerging generations with a big gospel, a big God, and a whole bunch of values that line up? I go back to the fact that I don't think people are talking about them. They're just not expressing those values in a relevant way.
I don't know, soapbox maybe, but that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, there are places where it is happening. I don't want to make it sound like everybody sucks at it. I mean, this, no, there's some people doing some pretty incredible things. I'm, I'm hearing stories all the time about churches that are doing things, you know, in their communities and, and engaging young people, and it's it's happening. It's not like everybody's failing. But for those who are, I think it's like, wait a minute, like our kingdom values, you know, that, that, you know, you know, our father who art in heaven, right? Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Those kingdom values on earth are attainable, but you got to be able to express where you see those values overlapping with, uh, with emerging generations. You just have to. Well said. So that's again, some feedback on the the Bernie book and article that's been coming out. Um, and then I've got one more kind of update. This is, I saw this in the news, but it's also something we talked about on our smartphone podcast a couple episodes ago. Oh yeah, that was a good one. That was fun. That was fun. And we were talking about Gen Z and the differences and church involvement. And I read an article this week called Why the Next Generation After Millennials Will Vote Republican. And so, again, we've just kind of touched on politics, and we're trying to approach this as neutrally as possible. There's a huge millennial shift to the left in politics. And what there's a prediction that the generation after that will shift more to the right. And they said not with, not with issues of, of identity or justice, but with issues of, of fiscal um, politics. You know, Responsibility. Yeah. yeah. So you see more responsibility with the financial aspect of it, which is interesting. And there's more of a group think, I think, with Gen Z is what they're expecting. Well, think about that for a minute, though. Why does Gen Z care so much about finances? When, when did they grow up? When was the bulk of their experience growing up? 2008, 2007. What did we call that? The Great Recession. I mean, they're connected to one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, economic, economically driven, uh, dramatic you know, times in, in the life of our country. They remember it. They experienced it. Finances matter. So fiscally responsible is going to be something I think that younger generations are totally, you know, going to hold people responsible for. Just, yeah, bottom line. It's funny to me, like, what things get lumped into political parties. It just, yeah, I guess it's a conversation for another time. (laughs) We're off the podcast. Um, One thing in the article that really caught my attention, though, was it it showed this statistic that Gen Z is also more religious than preceding generations. That was a question that we were kind of looking at. Is is it going to change? And they said they're attending organized weekly church services at about twice the rate of millennials, Gen Xers, and baby boomers. And so that sounds to me like there's some Gen Z. Again, they're, they're, I think their statistics here are looking at like 20 and younger at this stage right now. Yeah. So there's some people that are going on their own. We asked this question of like, you know, are people, are parents bringing their kids? And, uh, you know, you had some interesting feedback before the podcast or, or about this statistic. Yeah. Well, just the fact that like, I don't know where they got those numbers from. I mean, you can make data say what you want it to say in most cases. And I'm not pushing that judgment on anybody. I'm just saying we're you know, literally, cause I'm uninformed on that particular article. Like where do they get their numbers? Like my kids come to church with me. That's, they just come to church with me. We just do that as a family. So if you're asking, you know, generation Z in a survey, do you go to church, a religious church, you know, experience uh, weekly, monthly, whatever the question is. And they mark the box. Yes. You know, then you get one set of answers, right? You get one right. set of data that means something. But if you're saying people are searching for 
a sense of community and they're finding it in church, now you're starting to get maybe a whole different reason that the, that, that set of numbers or that data matters. You know, one of the things we talked about before, and I thought this was hilarious, is that there's a lot of Gen Z that aren't trying to get their driver's licenses like I did when I was younger and you probably did because their parents are driving them everywhere. And it's kind of convenient. They're like, oh, I can just be on my cell phone. My mom can drop me off. Like, yeah. there's more friendships happening. So between... there's a kid in my neighborhood. Sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but there's a kid in my neighborhood. He works at a local gas station here in Kansas City. We call them quick trips. And I don't know how, you know, many I quick, quick trips. Trip. I don't know how many there are in the u.s if it's just a kansas city thing or whatever he ubers to work no every day every day every day he works he ubers i said why don't you drive man you're making money now you could probably get a nice little car and just he goes why would i drive uber takes me i guess <laughs> i'm between like you know his car payment and insurance he might actually be saving money i'm sure he is but like when like <laughs> you referenced us growing up and i was like man i can't wait to get my freedom and he's they experience freedom a different way freedom to me was i got my own car man it's it's go time he takes now. uber he to ubers work to work at a gas yes, station he ubers to work <laughs> i mean <laughs> oh well, i just I, that kind of blew my mind anyway so but yeah, so getting back to the religious aspect of it, I think that, you know, there is something about this generation, Generation Z, that sees the church as a viable option for making a difference in the world. And that's a wonderfully, you know, that's a wonderful thing. It's yeah. great. And the other uh, aspect to this is they're saying that Gen Z are more likely to be friends with their parents. So you see this happening with your kids. Like you're pretty close with your daughter. I know yeah. your boys are still in school. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm with, still in school. My, we're, I mean, like, I don't know compared to what, right? Like, I don't sit in the living room of, of other families very often and watch everything they do with their kids, right? But we're super close with our kids. And that, I mean, that's hard work. We've, like, intentionally tried to do that. And it hasn't been easy. I mean, there was a, my house was chaos this morning as my kids were getting ready to go to school. They missed yesterday because they were sick. And now we're trying to remind them to you know, don't fall behind in your work. And it was a typical morning where like, it was stressful in my house this morning, dude. It just was, you know, and, and my wife has one approach. I have another approach. And then I have varying approaches for all three of our kids, right? Cause Megan's at a different place. She's going to graduate in December. Like, you know, you're in a different place, man. You're my other son, Drew, you know, he's a freshman. So like, he's in a different place. It yeah. matters differently. Uh, but yeah, dude, it's, we're crazy close. And I think that that I would love it if we could see a general sense of Gen Z and their parents getting along yeah. better and being closer maybe than other I, generations. But I don't know I how to compare a, that. I think it's a fascinating idea and it may or may not be true. It seems like there's, they're, they're at least insinuating it in some of these articles I've been reading. Um, I'm thinking about millennials. They said the millennials culture has been built on kind of, you know, penduluming away from everything that the previous generation did. Like, oh, why would I drink Budweiser? I'm going to make craft beer in my basement, right? Or like, I'm going to have this, you know, elite coffee or, you know, there's all sorts of, we don't want to do fast food chains. We want to have this new like kitchen in the you know garage that's been converted with ethanol or, you know what? I'm just <laughs> being a little facetious here, but there's just like just this pendulum little, attitude of, and this is what, how I felt about, I'm like, I want to do nothing like my parents did. I want nothing of that. I, I would rather rebuild something new and it's exciting so it's fascinating to see this kind of this trend towards gen z being more receptive to the ideas of their parents than millennials were to their parents 
Yeah, I mean, clearly that that is an issue of how families thrive together or not. So, like, I'm sure it's a generalization to some degree. But, you know, a lot of our friends that we hang out with who have age, uh, kids similar ages, they're close, too. So I'm I'm looking at this and I'm hearing you you talk about this and in my mind I'm thinking about the families we know and I'm like you know what there is a there is an overall sense of closeness there that maybe I didn't see a decade ago with other families now it could be that the stage of life I was at didn't allow me to see that right because I had small young kids but um, yeah man I think I think that's great I I think that again it goes back to something that we may have said in an earlier podcast but no one cares about the spiritual lives of their kids more than their parents if it's important if faith is important to you then empowering parents to do something about that is probably better than just developing a program like a wednesday night youth program that just tries to attract kids because i'm just not seeing that as yep. a viable option and that's why I love things like I when I I know our church has started using not we don't want to necessarily promote the orange curriculum but I know a lot of people use the orange curriculum in churches. Well, my favorite thing about the orange curriculum is not the actual curriculum; it's that they emphasize really strongly that parents need to be the best teacher in the lives of their kids. I think it's genius, and they empower that to happen. Um, so I think we'll end on that note. Just some random, I mean, just random news from around the world and going on. So thanks for letting us depress you about the world's biggest problems <laughs> and look up Barbie's millennial uh, Instagram and, uh, and, and feel free to fact check us. If you get more data here on some of these millennial or millennial Gen Z statistics, uh, it's been great having you as listeners. Chris, do you want to close us out? No, just, hey, let us know how we can help you. There's all kinds of ways we can help. Thinkburlap.com. We can do training in your church. There's consulting aspects to what we do. We have um, resources and products that, that can help you in your uh, pursuit of engaging emerging generations. So let us know how we can help. 